Hello and welcome back to Inside Quotes, the show where my brother and I rewatch, review, and relive the magic of our childhood. This is episode 54, and I am your host, Jeremy Jones, and with me today is my older brother, Jonathan. Jonathan, welcome back to the show. Quack, quack, everybody. Good to be back here on Inside Quotes. Now, Jonathan, this is this is about to be a good episode for you, because this is definitely, this is your pick, mm-hmm. and you would say that this movie is a staple of your childhood. Of mine. Maybe even the stapliest, would you say? It's up there. I, I was thinking about this. I... You know, we've talked about having a pretty good sized DVD collection, but I actually do have a few VHS tapes that I've held on to that are just like <laughs> in a box in my closet. And this movie is one of them because this one this one was a important one for me growing up. This feels like a whole new inside quotes category <laughs> of ranking like you got the default vault, a staple, an honorary staple. And then what the, the VHS the nostalgic collection. VHS collection that you just can't get rid of because it meant something. <laughs> well, um, you were shocked to hear this, but um, we're covering the movie The Mask of Zorro. Uh, but you were shocked to hear that I actually hadn't seen this movie. I can't remember watching this, really. What? You were already shocked when I told you. Don't don't <laughs> fake it. Um, <laughs> I, we have a lot of like inside quotes in our family about this movie. Yeah, Not from the movie, just about your reaction to it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, this is like one of your favorite movies, and I missed the boat on this movie, and I probably hadn't seen it since the first time I saw it, which I was scared of seeing it. So I guess you could say this movie was a sight for Zorro eyes, in my, in my opinion. You could say that. You, you could say that. Yeah. Um. So are, but, are you saying that this movie is more for the boomer generation of, of my generation and that you're just too young? <laughs> this is not, I, uh, yeah, no, <laughs> I just, it wasn't, nobody in my class was like obsessed with this movie. I just remember the older kids liking it. I mean, this was a PG 13 movie in the early two thousands. I mean, it came out in 1998, so I wasn't really allowed to watch those back then. And neither were you. <laughs> so, yeah, backing up a little bit, this movie is like, this was a big movie at the time. Like, through the years, I think it's gotten kind of shuffled to the side and kind of forgotten. But I'd say. This movie got, <laughs> it made a decent amount of money. And it was like, I think for for a moment, it was a part of like the, the pop culture consciousness, I think. Yeah. Late 90s, for sure. Um. I mean, I definitely know who who Zorro is from at a glance. I mean, it's a a rich man dressed in a cape, uh, wearing a, a black mask uh, in the sunset, and you know mm-hmm. it's uh, Batman. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Yeah. Actually, I was I was looking this up earlier. Apparently, like it's known that like Batman was like heavily influenced by Zorro. And like in some iterations of like the comics, like the movie or the play or something that uh, Bruce Wayne and his parents go to, like the night where his like parents die, mm-hmm. they're like going to see Zorro. <laughs> For I real? thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, maybe not in like every comic, but in like some some iterations of it, that's that's kind of happened. Huh. So I thought that was kind of a, a nice nod to it. Like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna take this kind of concept and uh, make a lot of money off of it. Yeah. 
But yeah, so Zorro was like, I guess there was a lot of movies in the 40s and stuff. And then it like, I think there were some books and things like that. It's essentially like a kind of like a public domain character. Maybe not quite like a like a Robin Hood or King Arthur, those types of figures. But I hadn't seen any of that stuff. In fact, I I didn't see this movie in theaters. I didn't even know anything about it. All I know is Christmas 1998. (laughs) We're uh, opening presents. And actually, this isn't like the morning of this is like later on in the day with like some of our other relatives came over Mm -hmm. and we were at the Holland house and I, our aunt and uncle uh, Ralph and Noni came over and they brought gifts for us. And the gift that they gave me was the mask of Zorro on VHS. And I was like, it wasn't anything I asked for. It was just a gift that I got. And I was, they knew I liked movies. And I was, I was like, this looks cool. And I was like looking over it <laughs> and I flipped it to the back, to the back of the case. Right. And I'm, I'm looking at the pictures and, and then I, my eyes, something at the bottom of the case catches my eye. Yeah. And it was a PG 13 rating. And I was so excited. Jonathan, you were six years old. I was six, <laughs> six and a half. Thank you very much. <laughs> And I spot that that movie was rated PG-13, and I was so excited because I thought this was a rite of passage. And I have it. <laughs> we have this on video of us, like, opening presents. I, we have this quote is, like, our inside quote. Here it is. It's like, can't stop me now from watching PG-13 movies. So I was, like, really excited about this. And now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think it was the first PG-13 movie I had ever seen. Yeah. But I- it was the first one that I owned like that I was given to me. And so for, in my eyes, this was like, I've graduated. I can now watch (laughs) something a little more, a little more edgy, you know? Yeah. Cause I, at that point, you know, I was first grade going into second grade soon. I mean, I was, I was getting pretty wise to the world by that point, you know, for sure. Yeah. No, um... I could handle it. Actually, I know it's not the first PG 13 movie because I'm pretty sure in this home movie, We've got the Godzilla 1998 movie playing in the background. <laughs> and Jeremy, I remember you were playing at that like little kitchen, plastic kitchen set. I was a wee little lad of a tiny one year old. Been like one and a half. One and a half? Yeah. So, yeah, I guess so. Maybe I was seven then. Maybe I was seven. It was 1998. You were 92. I, yeah, I think it was 98, yeah. That's when this Either. movie came out. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. I was a wee little lad. So I don't remember none of this. So were you did mom let you watch that movie? Since you yeah. owned it, technically? Yeah, I know I watched it all the time. I don't know if she made you wait a couple years. I, I'm curious if she like looked it up or anything like that. Because you know, like back in the day, we uh, the parents had the uh screenit.com. Yeah. <laughs> they would look at the reviews of movies and see see how much language is in it or inappropriate <laughs> scenes. So I, I definitely remember asking to like see a couple movies and like mom going to that website and looking up the reviews and be like, no, nah, I don't think we're going to go see that one. Yeah. I but, mean, this is very, um, a risky one to show your six year old. There's some awkward scenes. There's a few. I don't think it's too bad though. Maybe yeah. just cause I grew up with it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it was big. It was a big movie for me. Because of that, and but I also just genuinely liked it. I I watched this movie a lot 
Yeah. And I, I do know a lot of kids in my class had also seen it. And so it was just like, it, it was just a big thing. Um, How many kids in your class dressed up as Zorro for Halloween? Because that's like the easiest costume ever. It is. You know, I, I can definitely picture someone doing it. I just can't specifically remember who, at least for Halloween. I do know of um, someone in, because we did a Cub Scout skit that we have yeah. on video also yeah. of us doing like a Zorro video for cub scouts oh yeah my friend evan was zorro dude you gotta get that uh yeah video put that up on the instagram yeah i have to find it i have to ask wow if she's if she's archived that one but yeah it was around this time i think i was in so i was in cub scouts and i think it was bear cubs or whatever and um our friend evan he ha- he dressed up as Zorro, and we did this skit. I don't know what it, if it was for like a, um, some event or anything like that, or if it was just some random meeting that we did it. Like, like I don't really remember doing it for like a whole crowd of people. That's the thing. Yeah, no, I think we just did. But we just filmed the video. skits. Yeah, I feel like skits were a big deal back in the day. Yeah, we don't really we really talk about skits much these days. Yeah, maybe I'm just not a child, but a flipping skit. <laughs> Why didn't anyone tell me? <laughs> well, I I just feel like skits were a a, a scout heavy thing. Oh yeah, for like sure. we definitely have to do one at a summer camp or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but especially in Cub Scouts, like I feel like each group had their own skit for like the award ceremony or something. Yeah, they do that, or they'd have like campfires, and pe- like the different patrols would do a skit. Yeah. Um, even at school growing up. Uh, during the talent show, I think didn't mom like organize the talent show at some point? Because I don't know if she organized it, but I do she, remember that we was always, a thing. We always did skits, and mm-hmm. I would always have to help her do skits or something just to fill time. And I just feel like <laughs> I did three or four skits in the talent show. Yeah, through the uh, years, maybe through the years. Yeah, no, I remember. I, I've I been in, I've been a part of many a skit in my life, mm-hmm. and you, you really don't. You really don't think about it often. Hmm. Probably explains our amazing improv skills, don't you think? No. I mean, yes, and. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, this really did come from more. There were more skits in Boy Scouts than in anything. Yeah. Every summer camp or special, like, council Pinewood Derby or something. I don't know. Now, I don't remember ever, like, writing any. It was just, like, seeing, like, people perform them and thinking, like, oh, I want to do that one next time or something like that. Yeah. Maybe you see, like, a different troupe. They've got their own one. I know we had a few I just remember the clean socks and... one. You remember that one? Maybe if you maybe if you told me about it. <laughs> Dude, now that I'm reading these, they're not even funny. No, they're, they're terrible. Basically, um, the troupe gets new socks. And there's a pile of socks on the stage. And um, scout number one says, hey, everybody, our new socks have arrived. Come and get them. And then he's like, okay, Johnny, how many socks do you need? And he says, I need two pair. Just two? Yeah, I just need one pair for a week while the other pair's in the dirty wash. And the other guy's like, "Eh." oh, well, here you go. And the next scout goes, I need four pair. Why four? I put a... fresh pair on monday wednesday friday and saturday well that's better than wearing them a whole week here you go then the next scout says i need seven pair 
great. I bet that's a fresh pair every day, right? Gives the socks. And he's like, yeah, that one, one for every day. That's what I like. A clean scout. There you go. And then the fifth one's like 12 pair, please. And he's like, man, 12, you must be really clean. Why 12? And then the last, the punchline is, well, there's January, February, March, April. <laughs> and it's supposed to be a stinky skit, pretty much. Because there's a lot of stinky scouts, that's for sure. Wow, these are not funny. <laughs> now, there's one here that I remember. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but The Invisible Bench. Do you remember that one? Oh, yeah. That was dude. one that we did a lot. I love these. I'm, a lot of nostalgia. This is like unlocking some memories here. Yeah. See, yeah, I, I don't remember ever writing any, but when we did the Zorro one, I, I guess like, I guess our mom wrote that or something. I, I don't really know who wrote it. I, he, actually, Evan may have written it. <laughs> I think he was like really into Zorro like more than I was because <laughs> he had the whole costume and everything. Yeah. I think he had the idea for it at least. And then we kind of wrote it out. It was more than a skit. It It had like a few different scenes in it. <laughs> and. There was a scene where like Zorro goes to stay at a hotel and I played the uh, like the hotel front desk. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah, yeah. I basically had like one line. And it was basically like, here's your key. Um, it's going to be the third the third door on the left room three hundred ninety four or something like that. But I know, like, I only had one line, so I, like, tried to be, like, really funny and, like, exaggerated with it. And it just, like, yeah. sounds really stupid. <laughs> I basically, like, just raised my voice. This is my like, time to shine. I was like, I got one line. I'm going to be memorable. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it was like, it's like, okay, Zorro, here's your key. You're going to be going to the door. It's going to be down the hall. Third door on your left. Room 394. <laughs> <laughs> I just had like this weird it's probably not even how I remember it I just specifically remember like I've got one line here I gotta try and make this funny <laughs> cause Zora cause Evan's got all the good Zorro stuff so I gotta bring some some comedy to this okay last skit I'm gonna bring up this is actually the second Dirty Socks skit that was my favorite one um, this one requires four scouts one large can full of water a big spoon, and socks or underwear. All right, now that you have all the ingredients for this skit, here's the script. The scripts are written out like recipes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, here's what you'll need. Four scouts. <laughs> These and number just of props. a pinch of stink. <laughs> um, place the can and spoon in the center of the stage with the socks in the can. But they don't know that. Uh, scout number one stirs pot. La di da da da. Hmm. I hear nature calling. Gotta go. Exit stage left. Scout two. Enters stage right and walks to can. Smells the aroma. Mmm. Camp soup smells pretty good today. Cookie won't mind if I try it. Takes a sip with a spoon. Boy, that's good. I can't wait for lunch. Scout three. Same thing. Mmm. Good soup. Scout four. Same thing. Mmm. Good soup. Those are for the scouts that really don't want to participate that much. Good soup. <laughs> Good soup. <laughs> I knew I liked it. Scout number one comes back, enters stage left. La da 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 da. Scout two, three, and four enter stage right together. Hey, man, great soup. Yeah, really flavorful. What kind of soup is it? 
And the scout one says, soup? I'm not cooking soup. As he lifts his dirty high socks right out of the pot with a spoon and wrings them out. And then the other people ham it up by acting overly sick, of course. <laughs> that's, that's, I, I did not, I did not add any words to my description of that skit. Just so you know. Mm. Um, so that, I was the cook. I remember being the cook on that one. It was great. Basically, the skits, the punchline was just like, scouts are dirty and gross. Or it's something to like, here's our chance to make fun of the scoutmaster about yeah. something. You know? Yeah. So that that was basically all the all the, oh, but, all the but don't were. but but don't worry. It wasn't like actually dirty sock soup. It was just um it was just a sock in a can, but I pretended like it was dirty sock soup. But in actuality the sock was clean. So don't don't worry. <laughs> yeah. You know, that reminds me though of an interesting scene in this movie. Because I think uh, Zorro has a has a taste of some interesting soup in this movie. Oh, Let's that was not gross. talk about that. I don't. That was gross. That was so bad. Anyway, yeah, that's a good good segue, Jonathan. Good segue. All right. Good soup. Good segue. Good times. <laughs> here on Inside Quotes. Yes. So, Jeremy, you mentioned before some some similarities to Batman. Um, what other did you make any other connections to any other movies or stories or anything like that? Because I feel like um, this is kind of an homage to like a lot of different ones. Okay, I wrote. I get the vibes from Indiana Jones, okay, Batman, Three Amigos, and most importantly, The Count of Monte Cristo. Yes, yeah, that's the main one. Um, Indiana Jones just from the training sessions. Like what? In what movie are you? Um, in this movie, um, I mean, like Indiana Jones wise, right? Um, so the part where he doesn't really know what he's doing, he's just making it up as he goes. Tip of sword goes in person. He's just reckless mm-hmm. sword fighter, mm-hmm. and then he squares up on him, and then he just like barely flinches, and the sword falls out of his hand. That seemed like a Indiana Jones thing with like the mm-hmm. gunshot and the swordsman. Okay, yeah. Um, but that's about it. Other than just like the random parkour and escaping the bad guys, mm-hmm. I thought the horse chase was very Indiana Jones. I'm yeah. pretty sure there's yeah. there's that's in a couple of them. Um, actually, originally Sean Connery was supposed to play the role of that Anthony Hopkins played really? in this movie. Yeah, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> the casting but, is very interesting, actually. Anthony Hopkins is supposed to be playing a mexican i didn't think he was because i didn't know anything about zorro i was just like oh he's just the american californian settler okay mm-hmm. nope he's supposed to be don diego de la vega de la vega also uh Catherine zeta jones not mexican <laughs> no. she's she's welsh so yeah. is anthony hopkins mm-hmm. and i was thinking um we're part welsh us Jones boys. And I think Catherine Zeta Jones is probably our cousin. Probably. Um, and I have a Welsh flag in my room just for decoration. Cause it's cool. And it's got a red dragon on it. Um, not a nerd or nothing. Just, I think it's neat. And it looks very, it's got the same colors as the Mexican flag and it's both got a flying animal on it. So I feel, um, I think they just sent, um, they just told the casting director to find some Mexican, <laughs> actors and actresses 
and they were like, here's the flag in case you need that information. And they accidentally sent the, the Welsh flag. And they're like, okay. Red, white, and green works. Close yep. enough. Count of Monte Cristo is the main one for me. Oh, yeah. I definitely, I, I just love a good classic, like, revenge, revenge story, story. over <gasps> many years, you know? Yeah. <laughs> this is a double revenge. Yeah, it's got, like, well, it also has, like, the mentor, too. Type yeah, thing. yeah. Um, and just, like, him, like, trying to become a Don himself, you know? Yeah. And trying um, to, like... It, uh, infiltrate the high society folks and that sort of thing. Yeah, and it also took me a while to figure out what, why they're. <laughs> it took me a while to figure out that all these people's first names wasn't Don. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a title. Yeah, Don Diego, and whatever. <laughs> I genuinely thought their first names were all Don. I was like, that's a little confusing. Well, except for Three Finger Jack. Dude, Three Finger Jack was my favorite character in this movie. <laughs> He's so funny. I, I was so surprised when he came back alive the second time. Yeah. And I was equally as disappointed when I saw him die twice in this movie. So oh, yeah. But he really doesn't have that much uh character development. It's just the same thing. <laughs> second time I've shot that man while he was flying through the air. <laughs> and he dies funny. It's like a, like this whole movie is very funny in itself. It's very slapstick. Yeah, it's got a lot of good moments. Yeah. And it makes light of getting shot. <laughs> it's like a pirate movie. It's a swashbuckler. You know, I like, was thinking that when I was watching this, you were, t- you've talked about having like a pirate space, like, you know, yeah. young kids have that phase. Yeah. And I feel like for me, like this was one of those types of movies for me, like, because this was before Pirates of the Caribbean was out. I just had Zorro. yeah this was my you know main like sword fighting type movie and it brings you to like those old westerns like bonanza and i don't i didn't care about the other one because bonanza was the only funny one (laughs) of those old shows that dad watched making it funny and not taking it too seriously really brought me to the three amigos movie Mm, okay yeah, yeah um i liked that a lot um but really just taking such a serious like hardcore western movie movie character figure pop culture icon from the 40s and 50s and making him have a funny side is a a good way to like i guess reboot it yeah yeah let's talk about the opener i ba- i'm just going to say it like this is my first time watching this movie i'm not gonna even, i'm just gonna justify this as it seemed like my first time watching this because i couldn't remember much yeah you said you'd seen like bits and pieces through the years and if you had seen it all the way through you just didn't remember it no i, I haven't seen bits and pieces i've seen just the movie and i just didn't remember it because i remember i wasn't allowed okay. to watch this movie okay because yeah, it was I don't remember that it's very violent um it is kind of and even when you were old enough to watch it, I still wasn't because I, I, obviously I was like three when you were watching it. Um, so and then I remember the first time I watched it, I got a little scared because it was like very adult or at least 13. Do you remember the scenes that scared you? Um, I don't even remember the head in the jar at all, but mm-hmm. um, just like the loud explosions and the stabbing of things. Um, but just overall, it was just 
not a kid friendly movie. So not not for like young kids, but yeah. Mm-mm. I think preteens are fine. They'll like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the opener for this movie, first time watching this, really engaging and makes you very excited for the rest of the movie. I think it covers all the all the things that you need in an opener that get you excited mm-hmm. for I guess for a reboot. Um I, I I didn't think it. I I just figured it was Antonio Banderas. I didn't even realize this was gonna be an origin story. I just assumed yeah. that was him at the opening scene, and I was like, "Oh, Anthony Hopkins, mm-hmm. Principal Prickly, sir! What a surprise! <laughs> what a surprise!" <laughs> um, that's one of the things I really like about that the movie is like the whole mentor relationship, yeah. and it's like it's, it's a really cool dynamic. Passing down the mask. Yeah, it the intro it just it gets right to the point, you know, like there's a lot of action in the beginning and everything. And it just sets up the whole like dynamic of I don't know, the the people in the city and like the dons are like, you know, have power over them and are kind of taking advantage of them, yeah. that sort of thing. And you you just get introduced to Zoro, he's fighting for the people. And and then you see you know, everything he loved get ripped away from him. Yeah, talk about like full on evil intent from the villain mm-hmm. side. Like that is one of the worst things to do. Yeah, yeah. He's straight up jobed him, you know, from the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> He's like burned his house down, killed his wife, kidnapped his daughter, locked him up in jail, gave him nothing. Mm-hmm. Which brings me to my favorite part of the movie is uh his reaction to that when he shook the cage like an ape and grunted like an ape. I thought that was very funny. <laughs> Took me out of the movie, but I'm okay with it. You know, <laughs> well, Don Diego is hundred percent just Bruce Wayne. Like he even had his own like fireplace entrance to his home. Oh yeah. And, and like, a, like a whole cave, like a bat cave. Yeah. It's got the bat cave down below. I mean, it looks like he's like some kind of like nobleman. So he's like kind of, yeah. you know, he's got a nice house. He's got money and sort of thing. So he's, he's just kind of like he's like some rich guy, like like Bruce Wayne, too. A lot, yeah. lot of connections, a lot of connections. So you you said he was um he was like fighting for the people and stuff. And you said earlier that he was kind of like Robin Hood in that way. Um, But he really wasn't, right? Did you say that? Well, I was comparing like just kind of the the type of character like Robin Hood or like like a public domain thing that like people know about. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, he fought for the people. But he wasn't part of the people. Just well, like no. Iron Man and just, he's like a whole class above everybody. So right, is this yeah. a superhero movie? That's exactly what I was about to say a minute ago. It was like Okay. This is another, you know, we're talking about like Batman and Count of Monte Cristo and different <laughs> movies of themes and like but for me, like, this is kind of like the first superhero movie that I had seen, you know? Yeah. I don't even know if I'd seen Batman before this. <laughs> I might have to put a hot take out there. I don't care for Batman that much. I got a hot, I got the hottest take of, of hot takes. Oh, yeah? Batman Forever, best Batman movie. Why is that? Why would you say like that? It. It's good. I like it. It's deeper than people think. I like Val Kilmer. I think I think he plays a good Bruce Wayne. Okay. 
I don't know. Like with the Christian Bale, you he's a good Batman, but he, there's not really much to his character of Bruce Wayne. And for me, I, I've actually thought about this a little bit, getting into superhero talk. But like, I think I care about like the their real identity more than their their superhero identity. Like, okay, when it comes to Superman stuff, I like stuff that focuses on Clark Kent and his character. Which is why Smallville was your favorite TV show, right? Growing yeah. up. <laughs> okay. I prefer that sort that sort of thing. Um, you know, thing that actually like gives the character of Clark Kent like a story, and it's not just like. I don't know. You get to see what he's thinking and how he's dealing with things. And I feel like a lot of the newer stuff, they just focus on like, they don't really focus on like the alter ego side of it that much. Cause they just, you know, like the new superhero stuff with Henry Cavill, there's not really much to his Clark Kent. It's just kind of, mm-hmm. he's just has a few scenes, that sort of thing. But anyway, so, you, so you're not a big Batman fan, huh? No, I prefer Superman over, over Batman. Dude, I'm not even a Superman fan either. <laughs> Everyone just likes dark superheroes and things like that. I think people are upset, overly obsessed with, um, with Batman and the Joker, and I'm not here for it. Yeah. Um, my favorite Batman movie was is Joker. That's not even a Batman movie. Um, Bruce Wayne is in it, but um, I don't even like Superman that much, dude. I don't know what it is. It's like he's got he's too powerful. That's why I, that's why I like stuff that focuses on like his like Clark Kent. Yeah, I re- I really love Smallville and like him like coming to terms with his with his powers. I also like the show Lois and Clark, even though it's like '90s and really cheesy. But you get a good good balance of like Superman stuff and okay okay you can't you can't go there because Smallville is just 2000s and cheesy. Yeah, it's a different cheese. It's a different cheese. None of those shows aged super well. <laughs> Lois and Clark is a little different type of cheese because okay, it's like yeah, 90s yeah. and that sort of thing. Now, Smallville is like, yes, it's superheroes, but it's also like a CW show. So yeah. it's like Superman meets Dawson's Creek. So you yeah. got to kind of put yeah. up with some of that. Like, you know, Lana's coming over to Clark's barn, it's coming over to the loft, and they're going to have a serious conversation. <laughs> you don't know if they're going to date for like seven seasons. Because yeah. it's like, she's like, I need to know your secret. He's like, you can't <laughs> handle it. All that to say, Zorro is a pretty good superhero movie. You know, before this is pre like pre Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Yeah. I think Zorro is a pretty good superhero movie. Yeah. Yeah. Superhero and pirate movie put together. Which makes you really Mm. appreciate the early 2000s. I feel like that's the best between that and the 80s. Those are the best times for movies ever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We had pirates. We had Star Wars. We had Harry Potter. We had Shrek. I mean, what more do you need? So there's two screenwriters on this movie. Okay. Terry Rossio and Ted Elliott. And let me tell you about some of the things that they've written. Okay. Aladdin. This movie has some connections to Aladdin as well. Okay. (laughs) I feel like. Please explain. Well, just like Alejandro is kind of like a poor guy living on the street riff raff street and, uh, yeah that makes sense you know and he he uh, he becomes a, a don and becomes a superhero basically yeah, yeah, yeah gets the girl in the end you know i guess that's the only connection he and so the this this team they wrote mask of zorro uh, they wrote little monsters <laughs> okay 
Um, but the one I was going to mention is they co-wrote Shrek. I knew I liked this movie. And they co-wrote all of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. And they they have a lot of uncredited things or things that they worked on the story. Yeah. So they did they contributed to National Treasure and National Treasure 2. Dude. Stop so, right there. I don't even need any more. I mean, they're the best action and adventure movie writers. Period. Wow. I, it seems like once they reached like pirates, they that's kind of what took over their life after yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, dude, they know what they're doing. So, when when it comes to this movie though, Mask of Zorro, like the beginning, it has like a it has like a um you know a text at the beginning to kind of give you some like historical context, and like it makes sense if you like think about it. But at the same time, I I don't really think about any of that stuff when I'm watching this movie, it's strictly like there's a bad guy. Zoro wants to get his, gets his, wants to get his revenge. And that's basically like, I'm just focused on the personal stuff. Like, yeah. this, you know, as far as like Alejandro and Diego de la Vega, they're trying to get the revenge on Don Raphael and captain love. Yeah. And I mean, that's all that matters. Like there's this like side plot or like the backstory of trying to get the gold and they're trying to like buy this land from mm-hmm. Santa Ana or something like that with money, with the gold that they found on the land. Yeah. They're like trying to rip them off and stuff. And there's like some historical background, but like none of that, I don't think really, you don't have to understand that to like appreciate the movie. Like if you're not following all that, I think it just works on like a personal level of, of like a good, good revenge story. I don't know why I, I like that. I like those kind of stories. Everyone likes to get revenge, I guess, but <laughs> That's why I really like Count of Monte Cristo too. Yeah, no, uh, Count of Monte Cristo is one of my favorite books and mm-hmm. movies. We need we definitely need to cover it soon. Um, yeah. What really like you were talking about the date a second ago. I thought, I mean, this movie took place in the 1820s. Yeah. Or did it? Okay, did the um? There's 25 years in between the beginning and the end, right? And I guess there's the very end where they have a kid, but um. Uh, What's well, it's twenty years later from the intro. So was to, the intro in in, in the eighteen twenties, or was it before then? Oh, I don't know. Either way, that's like you don't think about this in a western, but like this is America, this is California, and the War of eighteen twelve has happened and stuff. But there are founding fathers from the Revolutionary War that are still alive at this point. I mean, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson died in 1820. Mm-hmm. I just remember they died on July 4th, both on the same exact day, 1826, 1826. So that's weird to think about. I don't know why, because you don't see this era as being like Revolutionary War era, because it's like completely the other side of the country. But yeah, <laughs> it's neat. Yeah, and I I think I was kind of confused at this as a kid because they're like talking about California, but it's like a time in history when like California was not a state. The yeah. line, yeah, it wasn't a state. The lines weren't like drawn completely yet, or weren't official. Yeah, so a lot of it was like it was like really connected to Mexico, which makes sense. But uh, so the the villain Don Rafael, he kills Esperanza, he steals Elena. 
and then he puts Diego in jail and then burns his house down. So yep. not a cool, not a cool guy. Bad villain. I mean, good villain, but like bad person. I don't know. I just, I just think it's like so weird, though. I don't know. It's just he's, he's just like so jealous that like Diego like married Esperanza. It's like that he just, I'm gonna raise this child as my own because she should have been my daughter, you know. And I just thought this, that was this so puts weird. Severus Snape in a whole new light. <laughs> Always. I, I hate Severus Snape just as much as the next guy, but he also didn't kill. No, no, his parents just to raise the kid. So, well, in in fairness, he wasn't even trying to kill her. Yeah, yeah, one yeah. of the soldiers, but it was an accident, and the deed was done. Yep. So, did you think this was a just a, a pretty good live action Puss in Boots movie? Pretty good. Have you seen the actual Puss in Boots movie? I actually haven't. Is it any good? Um. Yeah. Have you seen it? I have seen it. I just cannot remember it. And now I can't even, I bet there's some mask of Zorro connections to it. Now I really want to watch it. So, yeah, I mean, he's literally puss in boots is the same character. Yeah. Played by the same, same guy. That's what I always thought it was like an homage to. I mean, well, I mean, I know there's like a, yeah. Puss in boots is an actual character, but yeah, I, I figured as far as getting Antonio Banderas to play him. Yeah. I thought, yeah. You got to get Zorro. That's, yeah. that's who you got to get. <laughs> Did they make two of those? Puss in Boots? Yeah. No, just the one. Just the one? Yeah. For some reason, I thought they that it was like a spinoff franchise, and it like... Maybe he did a show, I think, maybe. Did it? Yeah. yeah. Let's move on with the plot. All right, so Alejandro's brother dies, gets shot by the assistant of Don Rafael, uh, last name Montero. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's got his revenge planned. He escapes that, um, chops his head off, saves his head, leaves the necklace, which I thought he would take the necklace. Um, yeah. Which is a really cool scene at the beginning because he gives him the necklace. Yeah, whatever. You guys know. Um, Going back to the beginning, I, I really like the, the opening shot of this movie. Not just the part where Zoro comes out and does the Z, the flaming Z. Yeah, that, those but... flames looking bad, though. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that's cool. But yeah. I'm talking about like when the movie starts, It just it's a close-up on the tent, and there's like cutting out the holes for the eyes for him yeah. to see. That's so dumb. Well, no, it's cool. I know, it is cool. It's cool. It's like foreshadowing him putting on the mask himself. He's like right. looking through it. Yes, I caught on to that, but it was a little too obvious. Like, what kid's going to cut out two triangles? It's just like one little slit and you're good, you know? Yeah. The guy comes in, like, why are you cutting holes in my tent? <laughs> I would like some more explanation. If they were to redo this movie, I would love some more explanation from when he breaks out of jail, which is, I love a good prison break scene, which is probably one of my main reasons why I love Count of Monte Cristo. Count of Monte Cristo. <laughs> Count of Monte Cristo. Count of Monte Cristo. Um, Dude, he escapes the same way as in that movie. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> they just don't like throw his 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 body over like a cliff into some water. They just bury him alive, which is way less cool. This is in no way a better prison break scene than Count of Monte Cristo. No, but it is very similar. Um, I would like more explanation from point A to point B. So, like he goes into the city watches Raphael 
and he's about to like kill him in public to get his revenge. And then he sees Elena and he's like, Oh shoot, I forgot about my daughter. And then, Mm -hmm. uh, he holds off, goes to the bar and meets Alejandro who just shows up randomly from the middle of the desert. Um, yeah, I, they just like seem to have just, they didn't explain how they got to the bar at all. It's just cut from both scenes. Like he was by the beach in the crowd and then he was in the middle of nowhere running for his life. And then they don't, doesn't even show either of them walking into the bar. They're just in the bar. Yeah. Uh, well it shows, it basically shows like Anthony Hopkins kind of walk up and see him. And I guess the the necklace catches his eye. I do agree. That was kind of a, kind of a weird cut. There's probably a deleted scene somewhere. I bet. Possibly. But, um, it's just i don't know if it needs all that much explanation it's just kind of like a plot convenience of you know these two yeah just kind of run into each other yeah happen to find each other it's like barely any introduction either they just like he stops him from killing him while he's drunk saves his life yeah but there's not much talking besides like battle banter you know i think i would have liked a little bit more of like diego's like thought process from like the scene where he's like about to kill him and he doesn't because he sees his daughter right to having like just resigned himself to I like I don't really know what his intention was there you idiot you almost killed you almost attacked some random dude in public and he would have killed you yeah five minutes after he made that decision himself to do it when he wasn't drunk like I don't know if he decided not to kill Don Rafael just because his daughter was there, and he didn't want her to see that, or if it was like, or if it just caught him by surprise and he didn't expect to see her, or if it was like, oh, this essentially this man is her father, and I don't want to take him away from her. You don't really get to see right. that, so I guess that's kind of left up to your inter- interpretation. But I mean, in the end, it looks like he goes away and he meets. He meets Anton- Antonio Banderas, and he's like, "I'm gonna help you get revenge, and I'm gonna get my revenge too." Eventually, I'm just I've just delayed it, so yeah. I don't really know why he he didn't in that moment. That's kind of left up to interpretation. And like you said, he just shows up. He just shows up at the bar, so it's just a, a plot convenience, I guess. If you think about it, if I were to plot the perfect revenge, I would not just randomly, impulsively kill him in public like that. I've been stewing on this for 25 years in prison. It's going to be cool. He's going to be attached to a wagon and falling off with pounds of gold off of a cliff. Yes. That's going to happen. I've already planned that. Um, oh, it's a double kill too. Yeah. Double. Yeah. <laughs> so it makes sense why he didn't kill him like that. So, um, yeah. and then we get into it and Antonio Banderas meets Catherine Zeta Jones and I realized that she's white, and I'm like, oh, that's Catherine Zeta-Jones from The Terminal. <laughs> that's what you remember her from? Yeah. That's funny. What else is she in? Zorro. See, I mean, that's just, this is what I saw her in, so this is what I know her from. That's I, I do so remember weird. Her. I do remember her from being in The Terminal, but that's just like such a unmemorable <laughs> role for her. Dude, I'm such a big Tom Hanks fan, though. <laughs> it caught you off guard when we were watching it. I said, do you have an appointment? 
Oh, that's a great movie. I don't care yeah, who you are. Yeah. That's one of my favorite movies ever. That's pretty much all she's in, pretty much. Yeah, I she's in Ocean's Twelve. Yeah, that's the only other thing I've seen her in, and that's my least favorite Ocean's movie. <laughs> she's a, like a, you recognize that name, but she's not really in much. She's been in some big movies. Like I, I, I feel like yeah, early two thousands. I, I think she was in a lot of stuff, and then she like I don't think she really does anything anymore. No. I don't know. Just until Terminal Two comes, comes along. Well, she did do The Legend of Zorro, which is the sequel. Which I that is a movie I've seen one time and like do not remember at all. Sounds like we're gonna cover it. Not 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 yet. But I was thinking like from what I remember, like I didn't think it was that good. So I don't I don't know if it's worth the rewatch or not. It's worth a rewatch. If anything yeah. I've learned from doing this podcast, it's always worth the rewatch, whether it's good or bad. <laughs> There's that weird confession scene in the church. Yeah, the priest is like, Zorro, is that you? The years have been far kinder to you. How how does that even happen? You can recognize it. It doesn't look anything. The bottom half of his face looks nothing like Anthony Hopkins. Actually, I'm, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, it looks exactly the same. Never mind. Yeah, yeah never mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, that, that was weird. And then... He starts to become the charming man he is, becomes one of the Dons. Does he become a Don? I don't even know. He well, pretends I mean, to he be just, a Don. He pretends to be a Don. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he gets in with the royalty, not royalty, but like the, the governors and stuff. Well, with the other Dons. Yeah. Yeah, and the governor. The other Dons. Um, I don't know how these titles work, but. <laughs> rich the higher people. ups. <laughs> And then Anthony Hopkins gets his moment with Catherine Zeta-Jones, and she was like, sometimes I don't feel like he's my father. <laughs> and then she's like, wait a minute, some you sound so familiar, you're calming. I think you are my father, maybe, subconsciously, but I won't understand that. Mm-hmm. That's so stupid. They could have done that better. Scene, that was also the scene where she, um, when he sees her for the first time, and they like give her flowers and she's yeah. like, Oh, I, I recognize the scent. What is this? And yeah. Dog, you were six months old. Growing. You ain't remember nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of the plot convenience in the story is a little too easy. Mm-hmm. A lot of telling us and not showing us type of storytelling, which is okay because it makes up for the rest of the swashbuckling adventures. Yeah. It's all good. Um, I'm willing to look past that for the rest of this movie because it's very good. Might be a contender for the staple, staple bracket, uh, action and adventure category at least. Mm. So we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, I was gonna say there was one scene that we laughed at was um, I, it's a, it's near the end um when he breaks in when Zoro breaks into the house like the second time. And they're trying to get the the plans to like find out where the mine is that he took him to mm-hmm. earlier in the day, and uh, they're like chasing him through the house, and just out of nowhere, Elena, Elena just like pokes her head around the corner. Zorro's yeah. like, here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, that was like, so lame. I loved it. It was like, where did she come from? <laughs> this movie is cheesy, but it's a good one. I don't know. I I can appreciate sometimes it not telling you stuff. Like sometimes you just want movies to show you. 
you know, and not tell you. And movies can get bogged down in a lot of like exposition, like explaining the the plot and that sort of yeah. thing. And so I I think it, the movie works. It, it does have a few moments where it's like why where what's happening, but overall I I still oh really I think like it, it tells more than it shows is what I was saying. Oh, I thought you were saying like it 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 just goes from one thing to the next and we don't really understand why. No, 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 no. They explain why stupidly. Okay. Like what specifically? Like the whole like stupid all. Why do you need to figure out like she subtly figures out that that's her father without oh, her knowing with her. Yeah. Yeah, the stuff with her. Yeah. Everything with Elena is the cringiest part, honestly. You I mean this is whitewashing for sure with Anthony Hopkins and Catherine Zeta-Jones, but like it's more with her. Let's be real. <laughs> her her Hispanic accent is not the greatest either. It's mm-hmm. just in and out, but it's okay. I like the movie still. <laughs> it's still cool when Zorro comes out and makes a, a a Z with fire. Dude, I mean, I'm still here for all the fighting <laughs> scenes. The fighting scenes were the greatest thing. The choreograph. It was so good. It was good. The backflips, the parkour. So real. Yeah, so much like practical stunt work and things like that. That so you get, it helps you just really get invested in the movie so much more when it looks real, like when they really yeah. did it, you know. And they're like long and drawn out like plays, and I guess mm-hmm. old movies, where he like one shot he kills like stabs like five different people instead of just mm-hmm. like scene change, scene change, scene change. The constant cutting, yeah, yeah. I feel like uh, old older movies. That's a that's one good thing about older movies. I would say that the, I think the movie near the end, it does start to drag a little bit. It's, I think it's like a two hour and 15 minute long movie. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like, I feel like it could be trimmed down to like a nice two hours. Yeah. Good. I like did. Solid. I did lean over and I was like, how long is this movie? <laughs> Maybe not even like bad pacing. It's just long. I think once you get to the point where like they're on the horse chase, like you would think that should be the climax of the movie, but it's not. It's like him just getting away, and then, then them regrouping and planning out their final revenge, and then that's when they go to the the mine at the very end, and that's where they, you know, and honestly, final showdowns and the, whatnot. The horse scene was a lot more exciting. I feel like the, the it was, the mining scenes and the fights yeah. there were a little lackluster. Yeah, until that's obviously true. the end with like the biggest atom bomb explosion ever oh yeah that was ridiculous that was that was was so stupid that's my least favorite part of the movie is the huge explosion at the end there's not that much gunpowder in the world but then you get that awesome shot of them all walking through the smoke there's no way they survived that the entire mountain blew up (laughs) that that was the one thing man that's my one thing out of all the cringe mm -mm. how'd they survive that all those prisoners that they let loose died (laughs) <laughs> all done just for two very satisfying ish deaths at the same time two birds one stone that was good overkill i I like that that you know with captain love they he gets to stab him through the gut but he doesn't kill him that was so anticlimactic until later that, that stabbing like <laughs> it, it's almost real like you don't in a real fight you're not gonna you're gonna take the first chance you get to stab somebody if they're attacking yeah. you you're not gonna wait for the the camera to turn around or something it was just like mm-hmm. 
before he even like touched the ground, he had stabbed him. Yeah. Like the timing on that was like really realistic, I guess. Mm-hmm. But not cinematic. No he, no, he really stabbed him. I mean, have you ever seen that guy in anything else? No, he's dead. I have seen him. Uh, he's a YouTuber. His name is PewDiePie. I don't watch him, <laughs> but he looks just like that guy. He does. He does kind of look like him. Um, speaking of the explosions, I was talking about this earlier, but I didn't get in, into it. Um, the the sound effects in this with the explosions, I kept hearing some random like. I I didn't know if it really was, but it sounded like a jaguar, <laughs> scree or like. Yeah, I I know growling. exactly what you're talking about because I like, I didn't wow. actually. It's like this, like wildcat, like scream. Yeah, it sounds like a like a fiery whip. Yeah, every time I I was watching, I was watching like a video essay on this movie, and they they pointed that out, and I was like, yeah, every every single time, it's just like this like weird like wildcat jaguar growl <laughs> that they put in there every time. I mean, I'm here for it, I guess. But why, though? That's my question. Yeah, the sound design, it's no its no Attack of the Clones. Let's just say that. Yeah. They didn't have our man Ben Burt on the scene. Nope. There's a few scenes in this movie that I, like, totally, I just, it just unlocked it for me, like, how, like, iconic these scenes were for me. <laughs> Mostly near the beginning. Um, There's the scene where, um, He's when Zoro like first puts on the mask and he he like fights all those guys in that in that yeah. one building and he, the the big he runs into the big guy biggest movie trope ever for any fighting scene <laughs> of course but I I remember like the little guy next to him it's just like dead quiet and they're all just like surrounded him and it's quiet and he just goes kill him kill him <laughs> and I remember <laughs> yeah. that and then the scene and then basically right after that one like. Zoro takes the cannonballs and like smashes the guy's face. Dude, that was hard to watch. And then he spits out the teeth. I remember that <laughs> so much. That was that was a big moment for me as a kid. The I liked the all the training scenes for sure. All, the scenes with them together, I think, were like highlights of the movie. Yeah. Um and I remember the scene where like they're getting into a fight and then he's like, On guard, Alejandro. <laughs> and he comes back into the circle and then he just like he holds out the sword. And then Diego just holds up the spoon. Whips out the spoon. My favorite scene is the prison break scene. Yeah. I'm a sucker for those heist movies and prison mm. breaks where it tricks us. Actually, like no, my favorite. I like, that too. My, I like it. I like it when I'm tricked in a movie and I was tricked whenever they were three finger Jack and they were just thieving around, thieving about oh, yeah. the desert, you know? Yeah. I think that was my, those two are my favorite scenes is when mm-hmm. the wolves pull over my eyes as a viewer. So, because <laughs> they make you think, because like he's drinks all the water and doesn't give them any. Yeah. Like, I yeah. douche, you know? Um, <laughs> so, I believed it. I thought he was, a, plus he was white. Seemed like a very Confederate esque dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, I I think Three Finger Jack got the best death in the movie. Oh yeah, most memorable. 
Oh yeah, I flying love... through the air through the off the minecart ramp. <laughs> what was his plan? <laughs> he was revenge, man. That's what everyone's plan in this movie was. Yeah. <laughs> what if they were to reboot this one more time? What would you do differently? Just put out the same movie, re-release it. It's good, good as it is. Mm, no, there's a lot of things you could do differently, especially <laughs> that didn't age super well. Well, you could obviously you could you know like get Mexican actors, you know, to get more like authentic, people or at least on the South roles. American actors. Yeah, I think um, to if we were to play um, the older version of Zorro, I would choose Antonio Banderas. No, we 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 don't need him in such a on the nose role, or unless it was a sequel. It's a sequel now. He's passing okay. it on to the next guy. Well, then I was gonna say we could use Pedro Pascal in some way, maybe as the villain. He's passing it on to Chris Pratt. Stop! <laughs> it's not even funny. That's not a funny joke. <laughs> it's funny. Oh, what about that dude from uh, Rogue One? Oh, uh, Diego Luna. His name's Diego. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Hired. He he's he's doing a like a Rogue One TV show. Oh, and he's and he's Mexican. Mm-hmm. And somehow we got to have Michael Pena in there for the funny humor. We could have George Lopez or something as a George Lopez as a as a Don, not not the main Don, but the funny Don. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're getting into like parody territory here. Well, okay, Antonio, I only went George Lopez because that's another movie that Antonio Banderas has been in, which is Spy Kids. Um, True. Michael Pena oh, could so, Well, if you're going to go that route, then you got to get Danny Trejo in it. Yeah, Machete. Yeah. No, I, I, I fully think that um, Zorro could have a cool sidekick, and that's perfect for Michael Pena. I, I think the funniest part in the movie for me, at least watching it this time, was in that same fight scene I was mentioning with like the cannonballs and the big guy. Yeah. Basically after that happens, like they're about to like get him and he just like runs away and it cuts and he's just like poised there, like with a cannon to just like shoot yeah. at them. <laughs> I started, that was Muppet esque right there. That was that so was funny. funny. <laughs> I got Muppets vibes from that for sure. Rewatching it. I definitely, I had forgotten like how funny the movie was because yeah. it definitely has some good moments and some slapstick and, it it has like a serious, you know, story to it, but at the same time it's got light moments. So yeah. I think it's important to have that a good mix of things. Everything just fits perfectly plot wise for for the each and every one of the good sided characters, the the protagonists. Like you've got somebody you need to kill. I've got somebody I need to kill. He has my daughter, I want her back. You need a wife. You could marry her. This win, 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 win for all of us. Like it's like the villains have zero chance when it comes to the story. They don't have any reason to win, besides their own selfish desires. But I don't. I don't feel bad for any any of the like. For Thanos, you kind of understand his side of things. You kind of sympathize with the villain in that way. And that's a really good that's how you could tell a really good villain is when you can sympathize with him. Although he was a very dastardly villain. I will, that's very good. Yeah. Um but 
there's no way that the the good guys are losing in this movie. So, mm-hmm. and I I was actually surprised at how like at the end of the movie when Diego was just like, "Here, hold my daughter's hand. Now you two be together." Like, it's yeah. just like he was like a little too supportive of that relationship. I thought I I feel like he would have like given him a hard time about it or something. Ah, uh, it's like you're not ready. Not my daughter. You don't. He was like he was basically his wingman. Like, I'm going to turn you into this amazing guy <laughs> so you can date my daughter. You did what to her while you sword fighted? <laughs> he didn't know that. He taught him how to have some charm. He taught him everything he knows with a sword. Think about that. He taught him how to skillfully and technically <laughs> cut the seams off of a blouse to where it rips off at the same time. He taught him that. And he sliced the clothes off of his daughter. That's a little weird. Hey, let go my blouse. <laughs> and he's able to carve Z's yeah. into people's necks. And M's. Cool. And an M. I thought that was the coolest thing. Was being yeah. able to carve Z's. I used to do that in tree trunks. <laughs> the one little bit of Zorro memories I have. Well, Jeremy, um, I feel like this week has been like truly, truly a, like an example of like what it was for us to like pick movies back in the day <laughs> for me to like pick this movie and like have you watch it. Something that you really weren't that familiar with. Yeah. You're like, oh, I want you to watch this or or even if you didn't want to watch it so much. Not saying that you didn't, <laughs> but just that, you know, it's my turn. So it's I'm going to watch this, you know, a Jonathan movie this week. <laughs> this, yeah. this definitely is a Jonathan movie, but. I, I am glad that you you enjoyed it. I did. I all did. These years later, I think we'll. I think I will, in the spirit of things, pick a movie that is more of my turn. I'll make you watch a movie that I like. How about that? Okay. Maybe you'll like it. I don't know. Here's a clip. You are rather pathetic. Irresponsible, ignorant of the traditions. He practically accused me of bringing down the dynasty. Yeah, I can see it now. There go the pyramids. <laughs> you can laugh about it. Statues cracking and toppling over, the Nile drying up. Single-handedly, you will manage to bring the greatest kingdom on earth to ruin. Tell me this, Moses, tell me this. Why is it that every time you start something, I'm the one who ends up in trouble? Ramesses, you're in trouble, Ramesses, young man. Ramesses, get down here. I think you owe us an apology. Oh, my <laughs> new thing. I am so upset. So our show art was done by Bryce Bridgman. And you can follow him on Instagram at GroovyBridge. And he's got a new website, BryceBridgman.com. Check it out. He's got all his, uh, all his artwork up there, original artwork. And uh, check him out. And he was on our podcast last episode. Listen to us talk about Scooby-Doo. It's a lot of fun. Wow, Jonathan taking the, the, the closeouts. Interesting. I liked it. Just like my man, Antonio Banderas, taking the clothes out. The clothes out. <laughs> Get it? Good one. Or off. Sign off. Whatever. <laughs> uh, anyways, and if you want to follow us on Instagram, you can find us at InsideQuotesCast. If you haven't followed us on Instagram yet, Go do that. Just just, just go do that right now. If you're listening and you have not followed us on Instagram, do it. And if you're, on, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave us a review. 
or we'll put your head in a jar and make you drink soup out of it, even though your head's in the jar. Never mind. We're keeping it. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you enjoyed listening to us revisit Jonathan's childhood just as much as I have. <laughs> uh, and if you did, make sure you hit subscribe or follow on any of the podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, so that you don't miss out on a future episode. Until then, we'll see you next time on Inside Quotes. So long and thanks for all the fish.